My name's Will DeFreeze, and this is the Sunday Scaries Podcast, your cure for the Sunday blues. This week, we're doing listener questions. Let's dive right into them. Our first, any beginner's tips for meditation? I really started meditating kind of early on during lockdown, during the pandemic. It was something that I had always wanted to get more into, but it wasn't something that I really knew much about. And once I had downloaded the Peloton app, once we got our Peloton, and I saw that they had the whole meditation section of classes, it only made sense for me to go through that. And I chose one instructor, Aditi Shah, who was actually a a guest on this very podcast early on in that pandemic, and I've really maintained that ever since. I think what really helped me when it came to meditating was just repeating it and trying to do it as many days in a row as I could. And when I was kind of alone in my apartment that entire time, it made it very easy. The reasons I was trying to do it was kind of to try to reset during the day, to fall asleep easier at night, or just try to get some peace when I needed it. What I will say is that I definitely began with night meditations. These could be anywhere between five minutes or 15 minutes. Sometimes I would even try to do longer ones when I was feeling a little, you know, whatever. And uh, if I really was feeling ambitious, I would even try to do 30 minute meditations every once in a while. And there's so many different places that you can find these. You can go online, you could go on YouTube and just find some guided meditations on there. You could go on apps like Calm that have, you know, subscription services for meditations. Or like I said, you could even use the Peloton app, which I think you do have to pay for just to meditate. But either way, there are just so many different resources, both free and paid that you can use. The only tips that I have as someone who's not really an expert in meditation is uh, the first is even just a few steps or a few minutes is enough to reset. So don't get too discouraged. Uh, If you're trying to do sleep meditations, obviously you want to fall asleep. If you're not doing sleep meditations and you still find yourself falling asleep, that's okay. It's totally normal. You just might want to set an alarm for yourself. And like with anything, it's most beneficial if you just stick to a routine and you get used to it and you teach yourself. That's something that I did. It's something that it took me a long time to do. But now that I did it, I'm very happy with it. And my little meditation routine has really started to settle in. Our next question, how do you approach your significant other about a big career change that you want to make? Full disclosure, I've only had to do this once. And this was when I left my old job to pursue Sunday Scaries and watch media full time. Going about this conversation was not the easiest thing because I was really quitting something solid in order to start something from the ground up, and that's not always something that your significant other wants to hear. When I first brought this to my wife, or my, I think she was actually just my girlfriend at the time, uh, she was not very impressed with the idea. She didn't like the idea of me moving away from something stable into something completely unstable, and it took a few weeks before we really started to settle in and warm up to the idea as a couple. At the end of the day, your career decisions are fully up to you and you may have other people that are depending on you, but you will make the right decision whether you realize it or not. For me, I knew deep down that it was something that I had to do in order to be happy. It was something that I had to do in order to scratch an itch that I had. And it just made sense. Uh, It wasn't something that I was really worried about doing. I think that when you're explaining it to your significant other after you've thought it through, there might be a lapse in comfortability when it comes to this kind of thing. I don't know what kind of situation you're in, so obviously I can't speak directly to it. But for us, you know, I was much more comfortable because I knew that the plan that I had in my mind was going to work. 
Whereas she's not in the realm of what I do for work. She didn't know what I was doing. And so she didn't really have that, that, you know, all out confidence behind it. Like I did either way. Like I said, this is all up to you. If you know that it's going to work and it's, you know, that it's something that's going to improve your quality of life, then go ahead and do it and just hope that they understand and they see that happiness within you. Our next question, have you strayed from scented candles into the world of incense? I actually love incense. I love the process of burning it. I like how pungent it actually smells once you start burning it. And I love how it kind of gets on your person a little bit. It's something totally different than burning a scented candle. And I think that's actually for the good. My favorite incense that I've ever tried was called the Incasa Incense Palo Santo flavored for $20. And I got this from the Saba house in Dallas. Uh, they burn this particular incense in all the Saba houses from Dallas to New York. If you're not familiar with Saba as a company, they kind of make these shoes, loafers, I don't know what you'd call them, espadrilles almost. And they are high-end expensive shoes. They're very nice, but going into their stores or their, their houses as they call them is an absolute experience. And once you walk in, you certainly understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this incense. It's almost undeniable when you walk in there that that's what the smell is. When you buy it, it's like I said, it's $20. You get nine per box and they last about 50 minutes per stick, though I've noticed that they last a little bit longer. They're really just absolutely delightful. And I, I actually just burnt my last one the other day, so I need to re-up on them. Will I ever make the full transition from scented candles to incense? Well, that's uh, probably not for me, but it's a great way to mix in a new scent when you're in between candles or if you're just looking to mix things up on a boring Sunday afternoon. I love to explore new wines, but I'm not always sure what to get. And I really don't want to be disappointed, and that's why I love First Leaf Wine Club. They remove all the guesswork and doing all the hard work to discover great wines so I can just simply enjoy them. First Leaf winemakers sample 10,000 wines a year across five continents and 12 countries, and they select only the best bottles for the club. They believe that wine is personal. They create a custom wine print for each member and maps their vast portfolio of wines to each person's unique preference once you take their five-minute quiz. The more wines you rate, the more each shipment is personalized to your taste. There are no contracts or cancellation fees, and if you're not happy with the wine you receive, First Leaf will give you a credit towards your next shipment for a risk-free way to explore an endless array of world-class wines. I get excited every single time I get a shipment from First Leaf in, and they've truly tailored the wines that I get in the mail to the wines that I love on an everyday basis. It's been so much fun trying different wines ranging from anywhere from Washington, down to Napa, over to Italy, even to South Africa. Celebrate your special first in the moments that count with First Leaf, the wine club designed to help you discover new wines you'll love, personalized to your taste and delivered to your door. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash scaries and tryfirstleaf.com slash scaries for six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. Here's a toast to firsts. May you enjoy them with the people you love from the first sip to the last. Tryfirstleaf.com slash scaries. There must have been something in the water this week because we got several questions for this week's listener questions all about pasta. Here's our first one. Is cacio e pepe overrated? I want to get ahead of this before I dive too into this answer. No, it's not fully overrated quite yet. 
For those of you that don't know, and if you've been living under a rock for a long time, cacio e pepe, as Bon Appetit puts it, is literally just cheese and pepper. It's a minimalist cacio e pepe recipe is stripped down mac and cheese when you get down to the bones of it. Or as millennials everywhere have dubbed it, adult mac and cheese. We've recently started going to a very popular restaurant in Austin called Sammy's. It's your classic red sauce Italian restaurant with a phenomenal wine list, incredible martinis, and everything they do just feels like you're in some dingy New York classic Italian restaurant. It's probably one of the best restaurants going in Austin right now, and it's been an amazing experience every single time that I've gone. It's easy to get lost in their menu though, which is why I've since decided to start doing something I used to hate doing, which is order several entrees for the table to share. A little cacio e pepe here, some ravioli there, and even some bolognese if there's anything left at the table on that, or if there's any left on the other side of the table. Have I grown a bit tired of solely eating plates of cacio e pepe at Italian restaurants? A little bit, just because it did become such a popular dish that everyone started ordering it at every opportunity but I'll be damned if I don't want a couple bites of it once it makes its way to the table, family style or not. But I will say, what is overrated is calling it adult mac and cheese, which everyone needs to stop doing because it really makes it less appetizing to me for some reason, so just knock it off. Our next question, what are your favorite pasta shapes? Again, I need to clarify before diving into this answer, I need to make two declarations. The first is that there are simply too many pastas to choose from, I probably had a different ranking last Sunday, and I'll probably have a different ranking next Sunday as well. And secondly, if we've learned anything over the past few episodes, I'll definitely be having some issues with pronunciation, so do not fault me for that as I'm getting that out there first so you can't criticize me later. But without further ado, I'm going in descending order, I believe, from number five to number one. So my number five would be fettuccine or tagliatelle which are just wide, flat noodles. There's something comforting about them. It's not my favorite, but there is something nice about having those wide, flat noodles just curled up in a low bowl. The next would be pappardelle, long, flat, broad ribbons of traditionally egg pasta. It's kind of the same as the fettuccine, but there's just something tastier about it. It's probably because it's egg pasta instead of made with flour and water. From there, I go into tortellini, which is, you know, specifically I like them stuffed with prosciutto and cheese. But there's something about tortellini that I think goes back to my childhood that I've always just enjoyed. My number two would be ravioli. This for me is just made so much better when it's stuffed with cheese or seafood. I will eat any ravioli, but with their seafood in it, there's just something a little bit different about it that I truly enjoy. But my number one all-time favorite type of pasta is bucatini. It's just a long, narrow tube. They're just like hollow spaghetti. I don't know what it is about it, but there's just something beautiful about it. And I will say, even though I just kind of talked about how cacio e pepe might be skewing overrated, there's nothing better than when there's a cacio e pepe made with bucatini. Ooh, there's just something comforting about it. But as I said before, this will range on a whim or due to craving or due to a craving almost any day of the week. So don't hold me to this when I'm eating something else next week. Our final pasta question, have you ever had an ego at the end of Ratatouille moment in a restaurant? If you're not familiar with that movie, you should be. It's one of the best Pixar movies out there. And Ego was the food critic at the end of the movie who tasted the Ratatouille and got sent back to his childhood and just had all these emotions of nostalgia just hit him like a wave. When I had this moment, we were actually in San Francisco for a long weekend getaway. Months in advance, we made a reservation at a restaurant that both of us wanted to try called Flour and Water. 
It's currently closed for renovations, but their website says it'll be open in 2022 again. They're known for their pasta and wine list, which we knew would be so we knew we'd be in for a rich, decadent night of eating and drinking. Maybe it was the Lambrusca they comped us while we had to wait an extra hour for our table, or perhaps it had to do with the fact that I'd been waiting to eat there for months, but we ordered a mushroom pasta dish that absolutely stopped me in my tracks. It's no longer on their menu, so I can't offer actual specifics behind this, nor can I even replicate it, which is absolutely devastating. But it was so homely and reminiscent of something from my childhood that I simply couldn't get over it. I tried to explain how good it was to our waiter, but he didn't really seem to care very much. And between waiting an hour for our table, having a waiter who was very dismissive of us the entire time, it's actually amazing that I'm still willing to recommend this restaurant, but that is just how good that one dish was. What I do know now is that every pasta dish that I have from here on forward will always be compared to that pasta dish. And honestly, it will take something monumental for it to be replaced as my ratatouille moment. As many listeners know, I welcomed my firstborn son into the world in April of last year. He has changed my life in so many ways with so many positives coming from him. But the one negative is that I've truly started to realize how fragile life can actually be. And on that note, it makes sense as to why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay a bit each month to protect the ones that you love? And if you're asking yourself this question, choose Ladder. Ladder is 100% digital when you apply for $3 million in coverage or less with no doctors, no needles, and no paperwork. You just need a few minutes, a phone or laptop to apply, and Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time so you'll find out instantly if you're approved. If you prefer to talk to a person, their team of licensed agents doesn't work on commission so they'll help you and not upsell you. No hidden fees, you can cancel anytime, and you can get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. And ladder policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A-plus by AM Best. And finally, since life insurance costs more as you age, now is the time to cross it off your list. So go to ladderlife.com slash scaries today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash scaries. Ladderlife.com slash scaries. What's your go-to coffee order for a hangover? I will say that there is nothing like an early morning coffee run with a hangover. Mostly, I make my coffee at home these days, and I do do it in a way that I'm not so proud of anymore. I used to be an AeroPress person, and I think that does make the best cup of coffee, but ever since my son was born, it's just been easier to go with an espresso pod with a splash of almond milk. But if I'm going to a coffee shop or a restaurant, My hungover orders somewhat vary on the situation. In the summertime, I'm going with an iced Americano with a splash of almond milk. There's absolutely nothing worse than when you order an ice drink at a coffee shop and they pour hot stuff over the ice. But I will say, an iced Americano usually seems to be a good compromise because it's such a small amount of hot liquid that it seems to be more consistent than just iced coffee alone. If it's wintertime, I like to do an oat milk latte with an extra shot of espresso. Sometimes I'll even dabble in a dirty chai, but there's so much sugar in there that I almost feel guilty about it. That being said, an oat milk latte with an extra shot of espresso always seems to get my my butt into gear, and I do enjoy the taste more than I enjoy the other ones. If I'm sitting in a restaurant for a bit though, I like to do a simple Americano served hot, or just a double shot of espresso. Maybe it's because it makes me feel classy and like I'm a a nice person and 
and a uh, productive member of society when I'm just sipping on a double shot of espresso. But I think, I also think it just has something to do with that's the only thing I'm able to stomach if I'm very, very hungover. Our next question, what are your thoughts on Wordle? Honestly, I've always really liked word games in general. I grew up playing Scrabble with my family and extended family. I've always enjoyed spelling bees in school. I always prided myself on making almost every single spelling bee from elementary school through middle school. And I even began playing Boggle as I got older, which I wouldn't say is the most, you know, it doesn't use all of your brain to play Boggle. But these days, I even play a lot of Bananagrams and I wanna play more Scrabble, I just don't get around to it. But what I do do is I play the New York Times mini crossword, which a lot of you already know if you follow Sunday Scaries on any social media. It's a constant battle to try to get it in under 30 seconds, which would be pretty much considered to be almost a perfect game at that point. But have I played Wordle? Yes. I've only played it once and I, did, I didn't I did hate it. I enjoyed it. Do I care about it though? Not really right now. Uh, for others, I'm a very big fan of any game that stimulates your brain, even if it's minor, which is why actually why I still do the uh, mini crosswords on New York Times. And honestly, now that it's been purchased by the New York Times, I will probably start playing it once it's in the New York Times app. But I will say that even though I will probably start playing it, I definitely will never tweet about it. I promise. What is your ideal Sunday sandwich? Though I think I answered this question somewhat recently, I had a revelation about my previous answer and I kind of realized that it was somewhat incorrect. What I said was a sandwich from a bakery in Austin that I frequent on Sundays. And that sandwich is a smoked turkey sandwich on sourdough with dill Havarti, sprouts, beefsteak, tomato, red onion, avocado, mustard, mayo, and I'm pretty sure they do some salt and pepper on there as well. But where I made my mistake was forgetting my all-time favorite sandwich from my hometown, Harbor Springs, Michigan, which is from a sandwich shop and liquor store called Gurney's. They fresh bake their bread, which I think is why they're so desirable. It's just so cushy. But my order there is as follows. It's somewhat similar to the first one. It's a turkey sandwich on white with lettuce, onion, mayo, pickles, Kobe cheese, and a shake of black pepper. And I get two pickle spears on the side when I check out. When I was living there, a few people that worked there had my order memorized, which really drove the point home for me that I loved this sandwich. Just make sure that if you ever find yourself outside of Gurney's in Harbor Springs, Michigan, that you have cash on you and that you do not order tomatoes as they do not serve any tomatoes on their sandwiches. And if you don't have any cash, yes, there is an ATM across the street. So I would highly recommend heading over there first. When you're walking down the aisle at the grocery store trying to find your hard seltzer of choice, it's so difficult to make a decision because they're all so similar. But you have to choose the one with the option with something extra that makes your choice a little bit easier. And as the first hard seltzer with antioxidant vitamin C, Vizzy brings something unique and delicious to the table. Grab yourself a drink that can do both with Vizzy Hard Seltzer. Vizzy is the first hard seltzer crafted with antioxidant vitamin C extracted from the superfruit acerola cherry. There are plenty of hard seltzers to choose from, but with its bold, delicious dual fruit flavors and antioxidant vitamin C, Vizzy makes the choice a little easier and a lot tastier. They've got so many flavors from pineapple mango to papaya passion fruit, watermelon strawberry. They even have blackberry lemon, raspberry tangerine, or my favorite, blueberry pomegranate. Vizzy also has a lemonade hard seltzer pack as well as a watermelon hard seltzer pack and each variety pack offers four different delicious dual fruit flavors and that same antioxidant vitamin C. 
Step up your hard seltzer game with Vizzy. To find out where you can purchase Vizzy, go to VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash washed. That's VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash washed. And to get updates on their latest flavor drops and more, sign up for their emails at VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash subscribe. That's VizzyHardSeltzer.com slash subscribe. You must be 21 or older. And to close things out today, let's do a little rapid fire with a lot of the questions that were left over that maybe didn't command too much time on them, but still deserve to be confronted a little bit. Our first, is there going to be a Sunday Scaries tote bag? Yes, I have posted several pictures of the old tote bags, but those are currently not available and I want to do something a little more elevated. So while we don't have any tote bags in the store right now, there will be tote bags in the near future. And I promise you come spring and summer, you'll be walking around with a Sunday Scaries tote bag, I promise. Our next, how do you navigate moving back in with your parents? I've never really moved back in with my parents at an age, but I did live with my parents for a very long time. All I'll say is have a general timeline for moving out, and more importantly, save as much money as humanly possible, because if an opportunity arises, you wanna make sure that you have a savings put away and that you can act on that opportunity and not be worried about the financial implications from it. Next question, any must-haves for a bar cart? Yes, nice glasses and nicer liquor. You don't want to have bad liquor out for people to see, and you don't want to have any bad glassware out that people think that like, I mean, who cares what people think actually, but you want to be able to pour a nice drink into a nice glass, and it just kind of is nice for aesthetics to have a couple nice glasses out on there. Our next question, what's the single best time to grocery shop? For me, there's two times that I like grocery shopping. It's either Monday night, I know it can get a little busy in there on Monday nights, but it's nice to set myself for, set myself up for success for the entire week on a Monday night. Or my favorite time to do it is early Sunday morning before a rush. It always seems to be very empty in there and it's nice starting your Sunday off with a full car of groceries. Our next question, why is cleaning so therapeutic? I don't know but I compare it to shoveling snow where when you get done, you can look at the job that you did and you get immediate gratification from it. There's just something about doing those two things that just feels so satisfying. Our next question, what are the best and worst things to order for the table at a group dinner? My favorite thing to order for a group is oysters because no one really feels like they're getting screwed when the oysters are being passed around the table. And my least favorite thing to order for the group at a group dinner would be spinach artichoke dip. And that's simply because I'm tired of it. And our final question, how do you get wax out of a used candle to use the container for something else? This is something that I've probably confronted in the past, but I think it's very important that people know how to do this because I love the idea of reusing these containers for things in the future. What you need to do is place the candle in the freezer for several hours or just until it's absolutely frozen. And once you get it out of there, the wax should pop right off of the container. You can either loosen it with like a butter knife, you can use your nails to try to get in there. But if there's any lingering residue, all you have to do is just put the water on your sink on very hot, rinse it all out, and that hot water will melt away all the remaining wax. And then you can just clean it out with soap and water and boom, you have a whole new vessel or container that you can use for something completely different than a scented candle. Enjoy. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to subscribe, review, or tell a friend in need about this podcast. By subscribing, you guarantee that each and every episode gets delivered directly to your phone every Sunday morning. You can also follow along on Twitter at Sunday Scaries and Instagram, which is at Sunday.Scaries, 
Or you can follow me both on Twitter and Instagram at Will DeFreeze. And remember, always trim the wicks on your scented candles. See you next Sunday.